What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Dragzine Podcast. I'm your host, Senior Associate Editor Brian Wagner, and this week on the show, man, we have the one of the get the guests I've been trying to get for a while, a top fueled nitro Harley rider, and we just didn't get any rider. We got one of the best, Ty Tharp. Ty, what's going on? Man, uh, just uh, getting getting caught up here at work. You know, we had a Memorial Day weekend and, uh, you know, do all the, the typical things, pay your specs, uh, see your family cook out. And uh, but back to business as usual here at, at Spevco and, uh, and and gearing up this week. Uh, we're going to have a race in Rockingham. Uh, obviously, that's kind of our home track. And so uh, we're looking forward to that. Nice. It's always fun to uh, gear up for a race week and uh, make sure you got everything lined up and ready to go. That way, when you can hit the track, it's uh, all throttle time, right? That's right. That's the plan. <laughs> and it's it's interesting. That'll transition perfectly into this question, my first question. Most racers think Nitro Harley riders are insane. Like that is pretty much... Anytime I ask any racer, is there anything you wouldn't race? There's two answers, pro mod and a nitro Harley, depending on what it is, who the person is. How did you end up riding, like going, hey, you know, I want to race nitro Harley. Like, how did that come about? Well, I guess, you know, I was younger and uh, dumber than I am already. And just, you know, side note, it's really not crazy. It's just low IQ. <laughs> but um I started, uh, I've always raced motorcycles and I started racing three wheelers, you know, when I was five and, uh, parents were fine with that. Nobody knew they were dangerous then. Yeah. Um, but, but, uh, you know, uh, in school, uh, I had been driving cars, uh, legends cars actually, you know, in high school. And, uh, you know, at that time our, our business was heavily rooted in, in Winston cup racing. And, uh, and that's what I wanted to do was, was to drive a cup car. And, uh, you know, father's like, nope, you're going to go to school. And, uh, while I was in school, it was just really easy to go to the local drag strip. You know, you just, I take my, I had a, a 94 Sportsters, 94 cubic inches. And, uh, and I could go to Wilkesboro and, uh, and go test and tune. And that was a ton of fun. And then I got involved with the, uh, AHDRA riding a pro mod Harley, um, in 98, and, uh, you know, we had some good success and won a championship in 99. And, and it just is like anything else. Uh, it just kind of naturally progresses. You want to go faster and faster. And I was in all of them. You know, I, I would watch, you know, Jay Turner, Jim McClure, Bob Spina, Bill Furr, um, you know, just these great big personalities with these big, awesome machines. And, uh, and just watch what they do and the way they act and, and the motorcycles more than the people. But the people were also fun to watch, too. But um no you know i just got the bug and i really thought man that's what i want to do that's what i want to do and in 2002 um that's what we went and did you know i, I got a, a rolling chassis from uh john storrance at weekend frame company and uh, we went out and picked it up and we drove it straight back to virginia to jim McClure's shop and uh dropped it off and uh you know time passed jim got it assembled and um he called and said, you know, y'all bring your starter cart and uh, a couple of things and y'all come on up here. And on the ride from, I was living in Goldsboro, North Carolina at the time, working with Scott Wood. And uh, I remember the ride up there, man, it was a, a lot of uh, soul searching. You know, I was really thinking that it was hitting me like, man, 
you know, you got a good investment in this. And, uh, and this is now becoming real, you know, real, real. And I, I was, I was questioning myself. I was like, man, have you bit off more than you can chew? And do you really want to do this? And, uh, and you know, Hey, you're committed there. And, uh, you know, we went to Rockingham first race and, uh, it, I don't know if good or bad, it's probably good. Uh, I blew the tire off of it every single pass. So, uh, my first, my first few attempts were a lot of tire smoke and, uh, but then, you know, we kind of got a hold of it and, uh, and it does, it, it, it takes a while. I don't know how many laps it took me, but, um, you know, I, I do remember the first time I, I made a six second pass and I remember my first over 200 pass and, uh, and, uh, it, it's quite an experience. And then if you take, you know, four or six years off, chances are you get a little, uh, limp wristed a couple of times before you make it out the back door again. It's definitely an acquired taste and, uh, you know, it's just in your mind, like most things and you got to get it slowed back down. To me, it's just, I remember the first time I saw Nitro Harley that it just, it, it was all, all inspiring just because you know, I've, I've seen plenty of fast sport bikes and whatnot, but it's just, it's a completely different experience to see them in person because of just like how, how brutal they are and the whole process and that you have to start them. You can't sit on them to start them and just like everything. It's just, it's literally it's nitro on two wheels yeah it is i mean they're they're a trip you know and you have the inline bikes and i mean they're a ton of fun to watch and super fast um but it is it's just a little there's there's definitely a difference there you know uh, obviously but uh you know they seem a bit archaic i mean you know you're what it's based on is is really old technology and it's just met a whole lot of new technology and um and it's a different ride. I've, I've never ridden a, a top fuel inline bike, but, you know, talking to Larry McBride and some, some of our friends, um, they just, it's a lot different experience, you know, and Larry has ridden the top fuel Harleys uh, in the past and just says, you know, they're, they're just two completely different animals, the way they run, the way that, you know, I think if you do the math, it might fire 48 times in a quarter mile. So you can almost feel it hit every time going down the track and, I hear the, uh, the inlines are much more linear, smoother, and, you know, they just chew all the way. Uh, the top of your Harley, it pulls from A to B. Um, but I can't imagine uh, if we got a screw blower or something like that to really, to really work all the time on it. Um, that, that, would be, that would be another experience. That's a terrifying premise. Let's put a screw blower <laughs> on a Nitro Harley. I mean, that's yeah. like that's terrifying but it's intriguing at the same time it's like if darth vader needed a motorcycle that would be it right right and jay's tried it you know we got it we got one with a pro charger on it we thought that would be a good way to try to creep up on it and talk has a, a, a pro charger on his and um and you know i think it'll come around and it, it will work but in the meantime we're just uh you know last year happened and um and, and jay did devote a whole season to it and made good progress, but, um, you know, the pandemic, we're just trying to get back online get racing. And, uh, we're definitely more consistent and, uh, and know what we're doing, uh, naturally aspirated. And so that's where we're at right now, but we are hoping to be under pressure one day, uh, before too long and see even bigger numbers. Well, let's talk about the tech specs of these bikes. Cause again, it's not something that I think it's cool as hell and it should get more broader coverage you know talk about some of the things that might surprise your average you know your guy that's a bracket racer goes to a national event might have his own bike and then sees one of these things it's it's a completely different animal 
Yeah, it's it, it really is. You know, where the the you know rational thinking or you know is is to try to lighten things up and, and you know you know save weight, add power, all that stuff. We're, we're always adding power, and more times than not, we're we're adding weight. You know, it's nothing to put you know even up to eighteen feet of extra tube in chassis. So we'll, we'll take yeah. Jay has got a good program, and he's just been doing it so long and seen all the good pieces of all the good uh, manufacturers and uh, has incorporated it into every chassis. He's now building his own chassis, but um, we've got plenty of weekends, Dixies, you know, um, uh, wheels chassis. And, uh, and so he, he, he will add, uh, take a lot of time and add extra materials. And, you know, it makes them a, a bit safer and, uh, and they ride good. And um, so, you, you know, uh, you know, I, I'm impressed with, with the pro street bikes, you know, that's insane to see, you know, a street tire bike running basically real close to what we're running and they, they eclipse our mile an hour from time to time. I don't think they've been 237, 238 yet, but they're really fast. Um, and I would have to imagine, I don't really know where they're at, but you know, I bet they're north of 700 horsepower and I don't know what they weigh, but I imagine they're probably 600 or less where we, you know, with the rider is typically a, a 1200 pound package, um, uh, and, um, and we make about you know, a guy, Damien Cowden from Canada. He actually put one on the dyno engine dyno, made a cush drive. And, uh, I think it made 1200 horsepower. Um, so, so it's a, it's a horsepower per pound. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and they, and they're just, they're just really big and, and heavy and they've just, and they've got a ton of power and I don't know what the torque number was, but I'm sure it was pretty impressive. Um, but really, you know, I mean, the, the best way to describe it um, is it's like half of an A fuel car. So we run basically the same controls, the, the EM box, you know, the MSD, um, you know, a, a all valve or a, a BDK, if you will. Um, you know, it's really half of a fuel car with, with no blower on it. And, um, you know, and they're different. I, somebody made an analogy one time that, you know, you can, you can do finished trim work and, and, you know, you can use a, a little finishing hammer, attack hammer, or you can use a sledgehammer, you know, they'll, they'll both do it in different ways. And I, I think that, you know, the top fuel Harley is more sledgehammer approach. And with uh, a rocket on the back of it. <laughs> right. Right. But they are, you know, they're, they're big and they're stinky and they're loud and violent. And, you know, that's what gives them a lot of appeal. What kind of transmission setup do you guys use on these things? We we have great luck with the B and J. We use two speed B and J. It's a uh, a lot like something that I, I think like they run in alcohol cars, maybe a little smaller, but um, yeah, it's a B and J two speed. There's a couple high gear bikes, but mostly everybody's running at two speed of some sort. But we're big B and J fans. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's wild when you think about you know. T- you know, 1200 horsepower on a bike that weighs 1200 pounds, it's using a two speed transmission is like that. That's a lot to try to like figure out. And then on top of that, it runs on nitro. So you have to be able to, you know, be, be a nitromethane alchemist to make it, to make it go and not, you know, try to eat itself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, thank God for good fasteners and technology coming around because, you know, we just, just fasteners and, and using studs instead of bolts um, has helped tremendously. And then everybody is, you know, key does keep safety top of mind. So between the restraint strap um, that, that holds the motor together in the event of an explosion, 
And then, you know, we do have to wear a ballistic vest. So we have a bulletproof vest on under our leathers. Um, but, you know, I don't want to jinx anything, but the explosions still happen a lot. But most of the time, the, it'll torch ahead, you know, and let the pressure out there. That is definitely ideal because, um, you know, the other way is it, it blows the, the head off or it blows the head and the cylinder off. And that's when it typically gets pretty messy and you start hurting frames and hurting sternums and stuff. I have been trackside when a nitro Harley engine has decided it wanted to do a high energy disassembly. <laughs> it gets your attention. It yes. definitely like, it's like nothing I've ever been around before. And it's, it, it, I am not going to lie. I jumped the first time it happened. Yeah. I mean, the first time I got it, it's amazing. You can actually weld leather and, and aluminum together. <laughs> like, you know, I looked around after it and there's, you know, a lot of aluminum stuck to my suit and, you know, it happens really fast, a little warm flash. You see a lot of pink and purple go everywhere. And then, you know, then there you are. And it's kind of, uh, as it happens, not so bad. You know, after it happens, you, you start, you, you know, you don't want to think about it too much. You just think about how to make it safer. Well, the whole ballistic vest thing, that was like another one of those moments where I realized, all right, this is a completely different animal. I was up at Norwalk watching the Nitro Harley guys get ready. I'm like, why is this guy putting a flak jacket on? Like legit, like something you'd see someone that's going to war put on. And then someone explained everything to me. And I see him starting it off of, you know, got the starter off the bike. I'm like, all right, this is, I'm intrigued. But it's like, in, in my mind, like the, the rational part of my brain goes, why would you ever want to do that? Like just, and then in the same sense, I'm like, that I'm sitting there strapping myself into a race car and there's probably someone else going, why would you ever want to do that? Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, if you, you can't get too worried. You wouldn't wake up in the morning. You know, that's a safe way, but that's not, that won't get you anywhere either. Right. You know, and that kind of rolls into this question of, you know, you, everybody, you have to get mentally prepared to ride or drive something. How do you get mentally prepared to ride a, literally a mechanical bronco yeah yeah it, it's like riding a bull with off switch um thank you know the off switch that's a good thing to have um uh, especially compared to riding a bull bull but um I, you know i just raced weekend before last in houston and uh we're gonna race this weekend and i could race the weekend right after that and it's still the same thing you know especially the just the first pass the first pass at each event you definitely just um you know I, you know, kind of some form of meditation, you know, I try to get calm. I try to, you know, see it in my head. And then, uh, you know, I got a little ritual. I've definitely got my own superstitions. Uh, and uh, then I've, I've got a couple other things that I do, um, you know, things that I believe keep me safe and uh, definitely pray. Uh, I, I definitely love to see the rushers for Christ in the lane or any chaplain and, uh, and, uh, you know, get a, a prayer is nice. And, um, and then get down to it, you know. Um, but the first one is always the most taxing. And, uh, you know, and then after that, you know, it, 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 you get a little more comfortable and you get to really enjoy it. But, uh, yeah, and I mean, that's part of, I guess, what draws me to it uh, myself is it, it, just it's getting the butterflies and, uh, and, and knowing that, uh, you know, I, that we used to race with this guy and he had shirts made up, said, you know, do something once a day that scares you to death. And, uh, and that's, uh, that's, uh, that's what it is. 
you know, that makes me think of another question here is like, you know, every race car has what I what I call a pre-flight checklist. You know, when I worked on a radial tire car, we had our own pre-flight checklist, you know, make sure the bottle's on, yada, yada, yada. I see, you know, Leah Pruitt's over there getting crazy, high-fiving, body-slamming crew guys, slapping her parachutes and everything else. What do you guys do on a Nitro Harley is like the pre-flight checklist to make sure that this thing's going to behave itself somewhat? Yeah, well, we, we actually have our list, you know, it's laminated and it's stuck to the, the side of the trailer at each station. And, uh, you know, it's just all the critical things, put oil in it, you know, put fuel in it, uh, check, check, check. But, you know, we definitely check all of our critical fasteners, you know, we want to make sure our brakes, our wheels, tires, you know, the bead lock, everything's just torqued and checked, um, you know, but, you know, as far as not sitting on the motorcycle when it started and starting it, you know, that's really a dangerous time. And so we're just real, real um, adamant about, you know, when in doubt, blow it out, you know, so if, if you don't know, you think you did, whatever, you know, could the barrel valve have leaked a little bit, take the line off, you know, make sure the engine's dead, pull the plugs out of it, spin the motor, make sure there is no nitromethane on top of the piston. And I would say that's one of the very biggest uh, things as far as starting it. And then the other real critical thing is even if the tune-up is terrible and everything else is uh, not right, you definitely want to make sure that, you know, the, that the rubber's on the road and the brakes are working and that everything you need to control that motorcycle uh, stays intact. Yeah, it's Brian Lone has mentioned one time about, you know, he, the, the most dangerous and scary people at the racetrack are guys that are lackadaisical around nitromethane powered vehicles. And I straight up believe that because you can cruise through YouTube and see some videos of people that have blown stuff up in the pits or at the track because they just weren't paying attention. And that's in a car. And I couldn't imagine with a bike, it's, you know, there's, there's not as much uh, meat there to protect it. And it, you know, it's super critical. Um, on the firing procedure to just make sure that, you know, the ignition is right, that there's zero fuel inside the engine, nothing on top of the piston. Um, we had some friends in a carbureted nitro class in uh, Valdosta, South Georgia, one year, it's been a few years ago, but uh, it exploded um, in staging lanes and uh, the butterfly actually went through Walter. I don't, I think it hit his, it might've hit his liver, but, um, Nonetheless, you know, it, it sent two people to the hospital with some very serious um, inner, uh, injuries. A bomb went off and they caught the shrapnel. That's great. Yeah, I mean, literally, if you think about it, it's just an IED with a throttle cable almost. <laughs> Sometimes they are, unfortunately. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's why you don't start them while you're sitting on them and you have those flak jackets, right? Right. Yeah. And I mean, you know, somewhere out there is footage of Jim McClure and I think it was, I think it was like 96 and I think it was in Atlanta. And this was really before the restraint strap or the vest. And Jim was uh, down there running and, uh, you know, it's terrible to watch. Uh, you know, he hit the throttle and he moved probably maybe 300 feet, good load of fuel and it blew up and it just absolutely uh, took the backbone out of the bike and just destroyed his, his chest. I mean, I think it broke, you know, his rib cage, his sternum, bruised his heart, you know, it, it, uh, it really, really hurt him. And, uh, and after that, you know, uh, that's when the, the strap came into play and the, the vest came into play. And, you know, ever since then, you know, every year, um, you know, whether it be a fastener, or, you know, just any piece of safety equipment. Um, it does get better every year. And uh, so hopefully we will not see 
much of that or any of that in the future. Yeah, and that's that's one thing that the NHRA is good about is anytime there is a safety related issue that they try to do their best to make sure that uh, if it happens once, it's not going to happen again. Yeah, yeah, you know they do the, the tech. You know, uh, it's been weird lately. You get to tech yourself online, but you know I don't have an issue with that because you know I have to get on it, and I think all the other riders agree. Um, you know, it's it, it safety is up to you, and you're the one um, that has to deal with it. So um, you definitely want to make sure it's safe. Um, but and Jay's always, you know, he's, he'll see something and he'll in, incorporate it into our bikes so in two thousand and. And 15, um, you know, we were running with IHRA and uh, they got the transponder, right? And so, you know, 300 feet past the finish line or wherever, you know, it'll send a signal and it'll turn the fuel off and deploy the parachute. Um, and and that, that's, you know, another thing that we just, you know, Jay did on his own uh, proactively. And uh, and it just so happens that it was a lifesaver. I, I, I got to test it out um, in Memphis at an IHRA race. And uh, uh, me and Mark Connor and I were having a pretty good drag race. I crushed him at the tree. <laughs> but it was a good side-by-side race, and I stayed in the throttle probably longer than I should have. And when I went to shut the bike down, I got sloppy. My hand got a little air under it, and, uh, and it, you know, it just pulled me off the bike. And it was nobody's fault but mine. But, uh, you know, the transponder did work. It did put the shoot out. Uh, that footage is somewhere on YouTube. And uh, – and, and you can see if it had not uh, been for that equipment, then there would have been two uh, people hurt for sure. Because I mean, my motorcycle just barely missed Mark when he made the turn off. So if that parachute hadn't been out, it would have hit him a lot harder and uh, sooner and it would have hit him, you know? So, um, so that works. And you know, something good comes from bad stuff, you know, hopefully all the time. Oh, for sure. Now you've won two NHRA titles in this class. And what to me is interesting is doing that at a high level on a machine that is like not consistent and is pretty extreme. What goes into winning two championships on a nitro Harley? Well, you know, good equipment, a good team, good uh, sponsors and support, Um, you know, and then also, you know, grace, you need to have, favorable conditions like in the universe i suppose uh uh 18 was a phenomenal year we uh we didn't make it to pomona we actually the tongue broke on the trailer on the way to pomona and so we didn't even make it um banson hines had just you know uh brought new bike out and brought doug mantle back uh they won the event and uh but we we gathered ourselves back up we made it to arizona and then just started chipping away uh 18 was definitely uh I'll never forget it or 19. I mean, they were both great years, but 18, you know, we, we kind of duked it out all year. Um, and it did, it came down to the final round of the final race and uh, winner take all. And so that, that is extremely special. And, uh, and, you know, when everything ebbs and flows and, you know, when it's, when you're hot, you're hot and you need to, you know, take advantage of that and, and do that. And I think even more importantly, you know, when you're not, you're not, and you need to, you know, just recognize that they are unpredictable. They are going to throw you curveballs. And, uh, you know, when it's not your day, you keep your head up. And you, you be a, a good competitor and uh, you just wait. Your turn will come back around. You stay in the barrel long enough or in the cylinder, it'll be your turn in the chamber again before long. 
Let's talk about that championship you won where it came down to the to the final round. Paint the picture what that's like as a racer when literally like it's something that, you know, sometimes you think about, oh, you know, it's like the uh, hitting the home run to win the World Series. <laughs> but as a racer, you know, it's it's a lot more of a uh, individualized and personal thing. You know, there's a lot that goes into it. And what was that like for you knowing that you're coming up to a run where it's pretty much it, it's it's literally sudden death winner takes off. That's it. It, it, man, I, somehow I found just some surreal calmness, you know, before the final round. Uh, we started to have some um, piston, mostly uh, ring issues. Um, we, we've been running this ring forever, forever and ever, and then they quit making it, and um, and we fought and fought and fought. And so, you know, we put this brand-new setup in it, went out there and qualified a couple times, and, I mean, absolutely burnt the top end up every time. And so we found the best old stuff we had at the U.S. Nationals, put it in there, went to number one qualifier, and then progressively got slower every pass because, you know, it was worn out. Um, but it was just kind of – that was the way 18 went. I mean, you know, your trader breaks, you know, you get thrown all these obstacles. And uh, we just did a fantastic job as a team of keeping our head up and uh, and and just keep marching forward. And, um, it, and it was it, – I don't know, I had – I wouldn't I won't say I wasn't confident that I was gonna win like that. That's how you win. You have to like you don't go to to come in second or you know, you, you go to win and that's it. And uh and we were definitely there to win. Uh we'd had a lot of adversity in eighteen. Uh but we you know, we'd had such good success overcoming it that I was confident and uh and it, it's funny, you know, me and Doug both cut identical lights. It was 041 to 041 when we left the tree and uh his bike nosed over and, uh, and mine just kept on trucking. And, uh, but it was definitely, it was surreal. It was, uh, hard to believe. It was like a fairy tale. And you're doing it at the U S nationals as well. At the US nationals. Like, and I think it was the first time in like a couple of decades that fuel bikes had ever been there. You know, I think the last time, uh, you know, the Elmer Trett was there. Um, so that, that it was, uh, that, that, that one is going to probably be on top. The only one that even, gets close would be uh i've always done pretty good in bristol and um and, and uh i did in 18 i had my my father and my son there and, and and got to win uh with him there and uh so that that's the other one that's really really special to me and it's it's those special wins that i think that will it, for most of us it's what drags us through a bad day at the track is that it's it's that carrot at the end of the stick that says oh today sucks but tomorrow could be better. And you're like, Oh, well, let's just wake up and do it again. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it, and that's, that's what, you know, what I love about racing. Um, it, you know, you get, to, there's the excitement, the adrenaline, you get to go fast, but then there's all the other things and life lessons that come with it. And, uh, you know, as long as you can get out of your own way and step back and recognize that, you know, I think it, it, it that's what makes it such a great sport and, you know, a, a great, um, you know, a great experience. Now, I do have to thank our sponsor of this episode real quick, ProCharger. For 25 years, ProCharger has been the industry's leading aftermarket supercharger manufacturer. By designing, engineering, and building the most powerful, reliable, and advanced centrifugal superchargers on the market. No matter if you're looking at adding 3,500 horsepower to a record-setting pro mod or looking for a DIY system for your streetcar, truck, or motorcycle, ProCharger has the perfect supercharger system for you. 
For more information about the amazing ways you can bolt on more horsepower to your ride, visit ProCharger.com. Now, I've seen turbo bikes in person, you know, the Pro Street bikes. I haven't seen a Pro Charger bike in person. I can only imagine it's going to be just as loud as a Pro Charger race car. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, like I said, we've got a Pro Charger. So big shout out to Walt Sip. He's helped us tremendously with our blower bike. And uh, and it's a Pro Charger top fuel Harley. And uh, and uh, it, it, it's still being worked on. And uh, but it is different. I mean, it's got a nice you can hear the turbo. Uh, you can hear us uh, closed valve, uh, you know, when it gets staged up. And uh, it definitely has a very distinctive uh, sound. I like it. Um, you know, sometimes the other blowers, uh they kind of sound a little different and it, it, it you know, kind of bumblebee and, and that's great. You know, they got a great sound too, where this one's still, that's what I like about the pro charger. It still maintains that real the original Harley sound, but it makes it just hit that much harder um, every time. And uh, they're really neat. Really neat. Anything pro charge just sounds angry. Doesn't matter what, like this past weekend I was at the PDRA race and, you know, pro charged pro mods, like, yeah. Like screw blower cars are just loud. It's like just being around a screaming drunk person. And I, maybe that says something about me. I love that. I love screw blowers. You know, it's just, again, when they whack that throttle, like that exhale noise it makes. But a pro charger just sounds like a big, angry dinosaur. Yeah, especially with 900 inch motors. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, well, I think the, the, uh, some of the pro mods, they run this, the smaller cubic inch on, the, the blower cars, but then again, the 900 cubic inch are your nitrous cars out of zoomies, which again, sound completely different and angry. Yeah. 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 No, I had a, I had a road King. It was a 300 horsepower road King, but it was a street bike. I mean, I, I rode that thing. I could go ride a couple hundred miles, no sweat, you know, like worst thing ever happened is chuck a belt off. And that's usually cause you let off the throttle too fast, <laughs> but, uh, no, they're, they're a ton of fun. And, uh, and, and you can chuck a belt and you can still make it home. You know, that's what I always liked about it. But man, when they're, uh, they will act up for sure. And uh, I definitely, I'm definitely a pro charger fan. I've, you know, you mentioned the pro street bikes. Um, I was up at the world cup when they were running those the first year mm-hmm. and it is an exhibition class. And these are the fastest of the fast guys. And I was standing at half track. These dudes go screaming by and they're grabbing gears. And that bike is wanting to like climb the, climb the tire at half track. And then I see him run a six at over, you know, 200 some miles an hour. That's a hard, no, thanks. Hard, no, thanks. Yeah. yeah sorry. My dog just came in here. She's, she's a little noisy, uh, man. No, you know, I'm right here in Winston. And so is DME, uh, DME racing. And, uh, you know, his father was like uh, Mickey Edinger and they, they, man, those guys were fantastic and they definitely have the fastest of the fast. And, uh, and so, you know, I've always, you know, Farmington is my real local track. And, uh, and, and I mean, just being young, I mean, I remember Demi, I, everybody, you know, we'd go to Farmington and, and race all kinds of stuff. And, you know, and then you see cut swing arms and then little, uh, small square slicks and, uh, and then it just evolves and evolves, but man, they're over there absolutely just killing it. And, uh, I think these new 1000 rules have definitely played in, uh, to, I, I believe if I was building one, it'd be a 1000. Um, but it's insane to see, you know, they were going six seventies, you know, not that long ago and that seemed unreal. And now they're running thirties and, uh, you know, they can run two thirty like every time. So it's really incredible. And, uh, they got a lot of technology and a, a whole lot goes into that and my hat's off to them. I've got some friends that run grudge bikes 
and you know nitrous and some turbo bikes and again i just look at that i'm like you guys are just no thanks just that that level of like the the concentration i think that's another thing that people don't give motorcycle racers respect enough for is the like launching a stick drag car is like rough a stick bike and then like you're trying to get that thing to do what it's supposed to do while you're trying to do everything you have to do that's that's a different level right and not flip over right yeah and, you know and i don't understand 100 percent the rules i never i wouldn't mind i'd like to ride kool-aid that's the grudge bike that, that demi has uh, and i think that somebody that is a lot heavier like myself <laughs> might be able to go i might not win a grudge race but uh you know that would it would definitely be fun um but man, yeah, they're definitely a trip. And, uh, you know, I, I'm amazed that they keep going faster. And I, I wonder, you know, where is the, the limit? Um, and yeah, I don't know, but I will, when we do uh, race with them sometimes and maybe a man cup race or something like that, it's always fun to watch them and to see, see what they're, what they're going to do next. So that's what I, another thing that cracks me up is that if you line up at the NHRA level, a pro stock motorcycle rider, and a pro, you know, and a nitro Harley rider side by side, <laughs> it becomes very apparent quickly who does what because there ain't no jockey size guys riding a pro a nitro Harley. No, I think Ricky, you know, is probably the, the thinnest guy out there, and uh, he's still not a small fella. So, um, you know, I mean, you know, in our class, um, and I'm sure it could be refined more and more. I don't know that that's what we want, um, you know. Uh, we are, uh, you know, little cantankers, a little set in our ways. Um, and, you know, if the bike doesn't go straight, that's okay. Um, you know, we kind of want it to, to do certain things. That's kind of what makes it uh, Nitro Harley, and we are purist at some level. But, um, yeah, it's nice that you can be old, bald, and fat and still, uh, <laughs> and still succeed or excel. And, uh, you know, and – and sometimes, you know, if, if, if some of these uh, younger guys are aging out and they're getting tired of diets and they ever want to step up, and my recommendation is eat some cheeseburgers and come on. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a great way to, to, to gain some support. Now, I, I've seen some crazy moments on these bikes online. Like, guys, like there was one in Australia, some dude got, you know, looks like he rode the lightning, something with the ignition happened. He got shocked. Oh, he literally, oh, like, yeah. fell oh, off the bike. Terrible. And oh, yeah. I saw that. I'm like, that had to be a bad day. Now, what's some of the crazier things that you've experienced or seen, you know, racing these things? Is that right there? I saw that. I'm like, I, well, I'm not cool. I'm not cool with that. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, I've had a few, <laughs> a few things. I mean, 15, I, I crashed. I came off. I hit the ground at 217, and you know, rolled and slid. Um, I don't know about 800 feet, and uh, that was a that was a, a game changer. Um, you know, and I thought it was towards the end of the season. I was like, oh, I'm just going to park it. And, uh, but we had a race the weekend after in Rockingham and me and Jay talked a little bit. And I was like, man, it's best to get back on it. And, uh, got right back on it and had just an incredible pass. Uh, um, something came up and hit me. I forget what hit me in the, in the face shield, <laughs> but, but that made me chop it at a thousand feet, but it was still you know, just a blistering pass. But, um, but speaking of being electrocuted, so, uh, that happened to me in Epping in 2019, um, in Epping in the semis, um, right at the end of the track, uh, you know, I shut the bike off and it was, I mean, just within a couple hundred feet, I thought that a frame 
a, a piece of the chassis had broke. It sounded like a piece of chromolite tube and it just snapped in half. And, and but my hand like came up, and, that, and that's an att- a, a, a testament to to the safety and what we have done. So since my blow off, the front fairing has changed. We found that running a front fender, this thing, this all gets the wind off of you or helps a whole lot. And it afforded me to, to my hand to come up this hard high, and it and it still made it back to the bar. Now when it got back to the bar, you got to hold on to it real tight. And the last thing you want to do when you hold when you're being electrocuted, and I mean, it was lighting me up. I mean, I think they discharge. Just you know, it's a capacitive discharge, but you know, it's close to 300 amps and like 50,000 volts. And uh, man, I you know, I, I finally realized what was happening, and, and it absolutely was killing me. And, and what had happened was the the manu- spark plug manufacturer had changed, you know, kind of their um, production. And it was leaking gas and, you know, you couldn't pull the boot off the plug in the pits, but it would build up so much gas and come through the plug that was pushing the boot off. And uh, man, it, it was the rear cylinder. It was the rear hole. And that thing was coming around and biting me like down and where you don't want to get hit. You don't get hit anywhere, but you definitely don't get hit there. And it definitely shocked the snot out of me a lot. And I was about, three pops away from just getting off of it. And I finally realized <laughs> they turned the ignition off stupid. And so I got to the ignition button and it, and it finally quit, but I wanted off of it so bad. And it literally knocked the fight out of me for the final. And I was running Ricky in the final. And I, I really, I dropped the throttle probably 1200 feet just cause I was scared. And you never seen so much duct tape consumption. I mean, that gorilla tape, that's good stuff because I mean, we would run, I'd run, gorilla tape around the whole rocker box and the plug wires and i mean just like it's not gonna hit me again and then lo and behold um we went to seattle um right after that i did win epping some uh luckily but um we went to seattle right after that in the very first uh qualifying round um i was running bow lane i was in the right lane and uh you know if you if you don't keep it in the middle of the lane or you let it get us a little left in seattle in the right lane it'll draw you to the center line hard. And, you know, it was the first round of qualifying. I was looking at it. I was like, man, eh, I could probably make it, but I'm going to be right on the center line when I cross the finish line. If I'm lucky, I might hit the, the block. And uh, so I shut it off. And, man, as soon as I shut it off, Bo just trucks past me. And then all of a sudden, he makes this hard right turn. And I started I was thinking, man, has he got a wheel bearing? Like, yeah, I hadn't, even a wheel bearing doesn't pull you that hard right. And I was, you know, I was thinking, oh, come on, ride it, ride it, ride it. And then all of a sudden it was clear he was going to hit the wall. And I was thinking, bail, bail, bail. And, man, um, and he hit the wall. That's the hardest I've ever seen a motorcycle hit a wall. And uh, then he got so high up on the wall, I remember thinking, man, please don't go over the wall, don't go over the wall. And uh, and the bike just, it, it checked out. It went through both the, the nets and over, uh, just destroyed it. And, uh, and it tore Bo up pretty good. I mean, he, he, it really hurt his arm a lot. He's had, I, don't, I think he might still have a surgery to go. Um, and he was really, he was doing a fantastic job. And uh, it was a lot like what happened to me. The, the, you know, the, the bar came out of his hand and uh, Bo's a big, strong guy. And uh, he, he, uh, he found the, the, the backbone on the chassis. And so he kind of had a hold of that, but it was, you know, blowing him everywhere. I think he was running 219 or something. Uh, but he, he, I mean, he crossed, I mean, he came straight over and hit my wall. And I mean, I had the parachute out and got stopped and all that stuff. And, uh, but man, that it was eerie. And, and that too kind of took all the fun out of it for that weekend. I, I, I really, I was, you know, the, 
it sets a tone that's not good. And uh, because, you know, we, you know, you can get hurt doing anything. Right. And, uh, and plenty of people get hurt in cars, um, motorcycles as a whole. I think we're very fortunate, but, um, but when you do hit the wall, it's you hitting the wall. It's not, you know, it's not anything else. Uh, but uh, that being said, uh, it, and then the very next round we go out there and I'm, you know, my attitude is not where I really want it to be or spirits. And I'll be darned if, uh, get out there in the left lane and get to the finish line. And I, I feel it again. There it is shocking me right in the rib cage. And, but I knew where the off switch was like yeah. immediately. that time. So, <laughs> but yeah, getting shocked by the MSD is, is absolutely no fun at all. Yeah. I could only imagine, you know, I, I've seen friends get bit by a, you know, a, a street car ignition system. I couldn't imagine oh. a, a nitro, a system that's strong enough to light off nitromethane, uh, poking you in ways that are not enjoyable right and then you have to grab it harder so you don't come off and it bites you harder it's, it's terrible but uh oh man yeah i've seen randall that's happened to him uh he, he got bit a few times and then he also yeah, i think we were in bowling green or something and he was on the high gear bike and uh they were having a decent race and he blew one of the cylinders blew off and you know he looked and nobody was coming so he got it again. He nailed the throttle again and he blew that one off. And then, you know, he's down there trying to get off the bike cause it's on fire and, 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 and it ended up burning to the ground. And, uh, I don't believe it's been back out since. No, it, yeah, no, it has been back out since, but, um, you see quite a few things. See, I saw, <laughs> I was, at, I was at Norwalk. I forgot what event it was for. They had some nitro Harleys there. And one of the dudes went down cause they, they went the eighth mile because the wind was so bad. And a nitro Harley rider went down and the uh, they had the air chopper squad guys in there. They see this dude wreck on this loud motorcycle and they are immediately, you know, they're, they're like, they are sheepdog. They're ready to go help. This dude yeah. pops up like, and he's like mad. I think he kicked the bike because it went down and they're like, looking like, you know, they're like, what do we do? And they radio the track. Guy, yeah. like, Is he okay? They're like, yeah, he's mad. <laughs> yeah, and he's a big dude too. That's Jason Pridemore, and he's got a screw blower bike. I mean, it's really a work of art. And uh, and unfortunately, something in his front end broke, and, and that's really why it went down. The was that front end was? actually came off. Yep, yep. Jason Pridemore. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I'll never forget that because it was like the the look in the helicopter crew's eyes was like you know. They've seen a lot of stuff. They think motorcycle accident. This is going to be t- terrible. <laughs> Dude pops up and he just gives the bike a kick. Like, you know, he's, he's mad at it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was Jason. Yeah. Now, like we talked about earlier, top fuel Harley is pretty much the number one answer. People give me when they say they won't race something that they're scared of it. Is there anything that you are scared of or you wouldn't race? Because I need to know for my own personal purpose so I can make sure I stay far away from that. I don't know, man. I mean, I like to watch those altars run. That looks like they're pretty hairy. When we're running IHRA, man. It's like, you know, every other pass, they're going to bounce off a wall or something. You know? so, <laughs> I bet that would be a trip, you know. Uh, what would I not race? I don't know. I probably don't want to, like, go racing helicopters or anything. <laughs> I, I <can> see. <laughs> yeah. What's crazy is uh, Hartman went over 300 in a fuel altered down at that funny car chaos race. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw it, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, uh, Hartford. He was with uh, uh, Wilson. Uh, no, no, no. Wilkerson, Wilkerson, yeah, Wilkerson, yeah. Wilkerson, Tim Wilkerson. Yeah, no, that's impressive. Wow, you know, little bitty wheelbase, all that motor. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, three three hundred in that aspect. Yeah, you know, it's basically that car in particular is an ex. You know, it's an old funny car with an altered body on it. You know, a funny car can do three hundred because it's got all that crazy downforce. Right. That thing's got like basically a top fuel wig on the back of it, and that's it. Right. Yeah, it's got to be like driving on an oil slick the whole time, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's like the fuel altered guys again. That's a different level of crazy because you are you're driving something that's a hybrid between a pro mod and a fuel car that just wants to do everything that you don't want it to do. Right, absolutely. Oh yeah, man. I you know a buddy here at work. He um he he got sick and he he he's, he's he has passed away now uh, unfortunately but um he had a, a real nice willis bodied car with a 632 musi motor in it and, you know nitrous a little shot of nitrous it was like a 470 490 car and it, um we were just joking around and the doctor told him said you know you can't you can't race right now because you know if you were to have an accident i'm afraid that it, that would do you in and uh we were you know just talking a little bit and uh, so he put me in the car and i've never I've never been down the drag strip in a, in a car ever, you know? And so we get in there and he shows me, you know, here's the, here's the trans brake line lock, you know, you know, starting first, go right to high gear, do your burnout, all that good stuff. Here's the parachutes. And, <laughs> and, uh, and the first place I went was the Wilkesboro and, uh, man, it was a little warm and I borrowed a, a fire suit from somebody that was not the same size as me. And so it, it, it was tight had a little neck thing on helmet on right? we got in there and man i was like look we have got to start this thing or start doing a burnout or something i got to get out of here like i started feeling claustrophobic <laughs> and, and uh but it was a great experience and uh it was such a cool car to drive and uh you know i had a good time with joe um uh doing that and uh you know i wish i was still doing that with him um on, on weekends that we we have off uh they were a good group of people and uh but it was definitely neat to be able to get into a fast car and, uh, and just see what that's about. And, uh, who knows, you know, maybe in the, in the future, uh, there's a car somewhere for me. I don't know. Maybe, maybe like one of those old school, like the, uh, the period correct gassers with a blower motor, because those things are, they're gnarly. You'll see those guys leaving those things and they're doing you know, the G body shuffle going down the track and they're driving. <laughs> right. I'm like, okay, that's a, uh, that's a little wild with a high center of gravity and enough torque to tweak the front of the car. <laughs> right. Yeah. The gassers are cool. I do like to watch those. And then that, that the, um, man, I, Tom, man, he's got a huge following on Facebook and we were pitted next to him in Gainesville and he's got that, you know, like drag week. Tom car. Bailey. Tom Bailey. Tom Bailey. That's it, man. And man, he has such an unfortunate uh, event there in Gainesville with his car burning up. But, uh, they were neat folks, you know, and uh, good to be pitted next to. And, uh, you know, I, I thought it was cool on uh, Thursday night or Friday night. They were making some little hits and, uh, they, you know, they were doing thousand foot burnouts with little trailers behind their car. So that was pretty neat. Did you see what he's taking on Drag Week next? Yeah, I was reading about that the other day. It's going to be a hybrid with some nitromethane in there. Rublo nitro wagon. Yeah, that's like. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> He's got some kind of gasser too. Like I know it's like a, a straight axle, a front straight axle, and he's planning on doing something nitromethane based, I think, or, or with some in it. 
Tom, Tom Bailey lives the ultimate car guy life because he does the all the bad ideas that most of us come up with. He he has the means to go. I, I'm going to do that, and then he goes out and he does it. Right. Yeah. I had no idea who he was. We put it next to him. You know, we, we got along. We hung out and everything. And then after that, you know, I started looking and researching. I was like, oh man, this dude's got a YouTube channel. Oh man, this guy's got a whole lot of followers. And then the more I, I you know, I read, I was like, man, yeah, yeah he is. Cool guy. <laughs> he definitely likes to have fun. There was one year that they did uh, up at Norwalk, the, the shakedown followed drag week. So he'd been on drag week with Steve Morse for a week. And drag week is brutal on you physically, mentally, and your vehicle. Yeah. So they literally got done winning drag week and decided, hey, let's go up to Norwalk and race this thing in pro mod. So they drove all night to get up there. And I'm coming through the pits and I look at him. I'm like, weren't you guys just at drag week? He goes, yeah, we, we decided to come up here thinking it wasn't a good idea now. <laughs> like you know, it wasn't a good idea. Yeah, that's our kind of people. Yeah, and they're just drained. And you know, all these other pro mods are being pushed or towed up, and here comes Tom up there. You know, the only thing missing is you know, some some guns and roses playing out of the car. You know, he's got his <laughs> coffee in the because it the car literally has cup holders in it right. a license plate. It's like, man, that's nuts. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, it's cool what he's doing right now with the son driving the old uh, the old shitbox wagon that Crompton and them wrecked. You know, they rebuilt it, and his son's going to drive it now. And oh, did, did he end up with it? Yeah, with the, the, yeah Tom did a whole the, video about you know they held on to it for a while, and you know they kind of want to let things cool down a little bit. You know, do it the right way. Yeah, and basically that's his son's like trainer car for dragon drive events okay yeah that's cool no that was you know that was yeah we're good buddies with dom and everything and uh after leaving indy last year i don't really want to talk about it but yeah that's i'm glad that it's doing something but uh yeah 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 it's coming back it they're like oh it's only gonna you know it's gonna have a twin turbo ls and i'm like so it's only gonna make maybe almost as much as the screw blown alcohol engine you had in it right Right, right, surely. It's it's people like that that you you find whenever I'm at the drag strip, and I don't know if you do this. Like I like to walk around and just look at all the different stuff because you never know what kind of insanity you're gonna see. And I'm a like I don't anything loud, fast, and dangerous, and I'll be walking along. I think it drives my wife insane because I will literally stop in my tracks and make a turn left or right depending on what I see in someone's pit. Right. Right, he's <laughs> just some cool stuff. I mean, you never know from a, a push bike to. I mean, we were in uh, in uh, I think it's Valdosta, and uh, man, his name is, escapes me right now, but he, he's got a rocket bike, he's from like Sweden, yeah. And, oh, it's insane! And but I mean, you know, like the only way to figure it out, and it wouldn't do anything, he was having like the air or something was messing with his mixture, and so he went down to the go-kart track or something and was piddling around, and then he finally got it right, and then he went 300 miles an hour but he had completely miscalculated the amount of fuel and they won't cut off until it runs out of fuel. And so he was like, Nope. He's like, I, I'm not doing that. I think I'm done. But yeah. And so, yeah, talk about insane. I, I don't think I want to race a rocket bike with too much fuel in it. That's for sure. No, no, that, that sounds like the potential for a bad time. Cause I don't math really well. So, you know, you, you, you carry, the two, you carry the two instead of the one. Oh, and you've really only got one option at that point is get off. And, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, the, the sand trap is not something you want to hit at a high rate of speed on a motorcycle. Yeah. 
Oh, it'd be like 400 miles an hour by then. Well, the other thing I saw was crazy is uh, the big no prep race out in uh, Oklahoma, Outwater Mageddon. I went there a couple years and they had no prep bike motorcycles racing. I'm like, so let me get this straight. We're going to take fast motorcycle racing and make it even crazier by doing it on a no prep surface. I'm like, all right, you guys have fun. I'm just, I'm, right. I'm, I'm going to stand back and watch this. Yeah, I think I definitely want a lot of electronics and, you know, traction control and a lot of the cheater items, I believe <laughs> we were going to do that. Yeah, because that's and that's a whole other thing is like I'm going to the, the no prep Kings race coming up here. And I I thought no prep racing at first. I'm like, this is the stupidest thing ever. And then I went to one event. I'm like, OK, now I get it. Like the, the atmosphere behind it and how hard those guys drive those cars. It, it's pretty amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I. I yeah, you know, I get I get sucked into that, and uh, and then you see it, you know, after the TV deal and everything, and then you know everybody's got a list now. Here, three three six, you got three three six list, and uh, but it is it's it's cool to see the cars, you know, see what they come up with, and then um, you know, kind of like Tom stuff. I think he's kind of at the pinnacle of that. Maybe it's not no prep, but it, there's a little prep these days, it seems like, and uh, which I think is a good thing. I, I like the way that it's kind of come back to not so much street and it's just no prep and uh and that helped me um accept it if you will more not that it matters if i accept it or not but uh but yeah i, I you know i can enjoy some episodes of that and uh and then you know when they have events uh, locally i definitely i'm, a, I'm definitely a fan oh they, they pack the house and the more uh, the, the more i got to think about it i started you know i'm, I'm preparing for this race i'm going to Every car or racer has a nickname. And I've been doing some research on some nostalgia drag racing stuff for a future guest. And I'm looking, I'm like, every car had a nickname or the racer had a nickname and the stands were packed. The stands are packed at no prep events. I'm like, I think I'm starting to see a pattern here. Right. And, you know, and that, I mean, and rewind, you know, 30 years and everybody, I mean, you got the snake, the mongoose. I mean, everybody had a name and the, the car had a name. I think, I think that, there needs to be big smoky burnouts and nicknames, car names. And, you know, I think that that's missing at some level. Our team, we're good. You know, you, you got, you know, right now I'm on the bionic woman. Uh, Jay's riding Maddie too. Uh, there's Maddie, the original, because there's Madeline Lehman. And she is absolutely probably the queen of drag racing. She can go right up to Bobby Lagana or Steve Torrance. She just goes right in the holler and they treat her like, like, a, like a queen. Um, you know, clay milk and everybody's good i mean she'll call you know, tony schumacher talks to her once once a week you know uh but she is a huge fan of ours and um and she's been around uh her whole life around nitro harleys and uh and drag racing but uh but yeah so we do have we do have the names and uh jay he gets to be the bulldog so that's super cool and uh i used to have a good name they i, I uh, acquired the spoiler way back in the day dane miller me the the spoiler but something happened over the years and so now i'm just timmy <laughs> they call me top field timmy and uh this has got something to do with me being real goofy like i can break a leg just coaching nine-year-old soccer and uh yep <laughs> top field timmy that's it, it, it it's really interesting to see how that's kind of progressed and i even saw it some this weekend at a pdra race where some of the teams were you know, nitro cars, they don't do the big burnouts anymore. And they'll actually, 
they'll they'll push a funny car and dragster into the beams where they're not even getting into the clutch. I'm starting to see some pro mod teams start to do this now. I'm like, it's the dissemination of technology and learning stuff. I'm like, it's bleeding down now. It's kind of it was kind of crazy to see. Makes sense though. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. You know, I think that 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 is a problem for our sport as a whole. Um, you know, uh, a you got to have racers to have a show, right? And you know, I, I do appreciate that that article that I saw a while back. You know, it started with Jason Line. Um, you know, about being tolerated rather than celebrated. And I, I believe there is truth in that, especially at some levels. Um, I also believe that, you know, even more importantly than that is without the fans, um, it, it, that it's going to suffer like terribly. And, uh, you know, I think we owe them big smoky burnouts and a great show. And, and it's kind of funny. I mean, I was, you know, I had actually got to have a little hot, uh, lunch with, uh, with uh, Ricky Smith yesterday. And uh, we were just talking about, you know, having to shift in NHRA, your pro mod car. And, you know, it's, I don't think that you should really be out there shucking and jiving in the cockpit but with a five-second car. And uh, and at the same time, I don't know. I mean, maybe they're, you know, I, I'm not a car guy. And I don't, I'm not, I don't even tune my bike, right? But I'd be willing to bet. I would take that bet that, you know, I bet they're still autos. Like, you know, like, what is it? One wire you hook up? I don't know, but uh, maybe they should go pro and, uh, and do that. And I know there's all the schools of thought and some people say, oh, you should be dropping the clutch and shifting the gears and, you know, maybe you should, maybe you shouldn't. But um, uh, I don't think that the rules should be so spread out, you know, like you can go to a PDRA race and, you know, your electronics are fine, but over here you have to shift it, um, you know, but there again, I've driven a, a Ford, 70 Willis car and it had a power glide in. I had to do anything and I was perfectly happy with that. And uh, the rest of the time I, I'm on two wheels. So I'm pretty sure the four wheel people don't care what my opinion is, but as a fan, you know, I do see how it seems cool that they're um, uh, shifted by hand, but at the same time, um, you know, I love to watch at the NHRA race. I, you know, I'm drawn to, to pro mods and to funny cars and, uh, and uh you know just to watch them move all over the place and anything with a short wheel base and a way too much horsepower is is fun to watch yeah pro mod drivers in the NHRA, anything that carries the front of you. now that they have you know it's quarter mile pro mod racing which is really you don't see much of anymore let alone that they have to shift while they're in there and you can watch the videos of alex laughlin doing it um they're yeah. earning that paycheck inside that car absolutely you know and so yeah you know i, I just think that that uh i don't know it's funny and i might be biased because i had lunch with ricky yesterday so ricky having a ricky be outspoken and have an opinion on something never it, it, it just happened yesterday for five minutes <laughs> outside of that i don't think it's happened in a year or two he, he's, he's a wallflower <laughs> right wallflower well ty I have, right. I have one more question for you and you know i've i've got so many cool gadgets at my disposal for the dragzine podcast you know i've got a time machine i've got an unlimited bank account for you i'm going to unlock the the tech chest where i'm going to give you the ability to do anything you need to whether it's considered possible or impossible to make a nitro harley faster what would you do to make a nitro Harley faster? Just what, you know, blank slate, you know, the world is your oyster. What are you doing? Man, I, you know, if you could, I would love for it to turn 10,000 RPMs, be truly EFI 
and have some form and be under pressure. And, and then that is probably something I would be less interested in writing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> At that point, you're like, what have I done? Hmm, yeah, I feel like I'm heading to Jim McClure's again. <laughs> yeah. Definitely be a flashback. <laughs> it's one of those moments. It's like when you mix a drink that's a little bit too strong and you think it's going to be good to go, then you drink it. You're like, this was a poor choice. <laughs> yeah, I've done that. Yeah, been there, done that. Got the T-shirt, right? Oh, yeah, I got a couple. Well, Ty, our time here is coming to an end on the Dragzine podcast, and I like to give my guests their opportunity to channel their inner John Force and thank all their sponsors and tell people where to find them at. So uh, the floor is yours, my friend. Tell people who helps you race and where they can learn what you're about and what you got going on. Yeah, well, I mean, first and foremost, you know, Spevco uh, is is my, my, my big one. Um, you know, go to spevco.com, check it out. Uh, we got a lot of stuff going on as we get through the pandemic and, uh, you know, that life is opening back up. Um, we're more than capable and, and uh, wanting to help you. Uh, we have a nice uh, hospitality unit that you can see on our website. Uh, it's available for lease. And so if you want to have the baddest birthday party or any event, uh, you can definitely check that out. Uh, but yeah, definitely, you know, if you're interested, go by the website and just kind of see what Spevco is about. Um, and then there's Samson Exhaust uh, with Mike Baverstock, and they uh, have a great American Harley Davidson and Indian uh, exhaust systems. So definitely go visit them. Better yet, go buy a couple sets. Um, definitely always Jay Turner Racing, the whole group. Um, you know, they've been real good to me. Uh, forever and uh, i believe that that is the best place to be um and and you know and then and then we're also you know really working on uh it's it's been it's not a rough year i mean there's always worse stuff i won't say it's a rough year but so we are kind of self-funding our class between be it spevco samson ab steel um whoever it is uh you know, we're funding our, our top fuel class this year in an effort to attract a, a class sponsor for next year. Um, and I would, I would say we're really looking um, for that. And, and like you said, you know, the, the, the fuel Harleys are, are usually quite something to see. And uh, I'm not sure why it won't light fire and take completely off and uh, somebody come on board. Um, but, you know, we're, we're going to keep plugging away and we're definitely looking for a class sponsor because um, while Spevco, we're kind of in the event and marketing business and uh, that's great. Uh, I like to go race and just do that and keep the business separate. Uh, and uh, it's been double duty this year. And, you know, between, uh, you know, working with sponsors and then having to work with NHRA and then work with the competitors, um, we definitely need a sponsor. So <laughs> I'm just going to throw that out there and, uh, you know, Skittles would be a great sponsor. Maddie makes uh, myself, everybody in the pits, uh, even even Bob Lagana. Uh, he knows what, if, if something goes wrong, he knows it's because he didn't need Skittles before the pass. So Skittles, if you're out there, top of your heart, that's where you're going to spend your money. <laughs> Mars Candy Group, they, they can throw a different one on it all the time. Absolutely. <laughs> well, Ty, I have to thank our sponsors, Pro Charger, Performance Develop Distributors, Airflow Research, Holly, MSD, Flow Monster, Elderbrock and comp cams for making this possible. I can now say that I've had a top fuel Harley racer on here. Hopefully we can get some more on in the future. Ty, I greatly appreciate you coming on the show and uh, we'll see you soon at the track, man. All right. Thank you. Have a great one.